Hi, everybody. This is No Chick Flick Moments, and I am your co-host, Remy. Hi, Remy. I am your other co-host, B. And this is our Supernatural Watchcast, and today we are talking about Season 15, Episode 4, Atomic Monsters. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying not to do my side, but I'm like, <laughs> this one has, it's quite the pivot from what we've experienced with this sort of three-part season premiere. It is. Um, and, and, and I'm really happy to be back. Uh, we had a hiatus there, so... Yeah, I feel like I did not use it to my full extent. I, <laughs> I did not get the beauty rest that I need. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I had a great week, so. Yeah, I'm so glad. Oh, no. You're supposed no, to. No, I am. You're supposed to be mad that I'm being mean to you. No, I I have to get my kick somewhere. And I'm like, good, <laughs> I can live viscerally with the fact that Remy had a good time. Oh, <laughs> Well, we're back, baby. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a good time tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, episode four. And this was a episode written by Davey Perez. And it was directed by Jensen Ackles. Who's that guy? Who's that guy? Oh, that was such, like, a dad joke. The uh, description for this episode reads, Sam and Dean investigate the mysterious death of a girl in the disappearance of another. Mm-hmm. So we are returning to a slightly calmer level. It's not the end of the world anymore. Instead, it is just, I guess, Monster of the Week body bag session. But we do not start this episode feeling like that at all. I know, right? I'm like, not the end of the world. It's fucking Apocalypse Now over here. Yeah. I saw the description that Jensen was giving saying that the start of the episode had kind of Dean Winchester as John Wick. And I was like, oh my (laughs) God, I I don't know what to expect. And then here we go. We're dunked right into cold water. Uh huh. A very fashionable John Wick. Oh my God! I wrote down so much about what he was wearing. <laughs> Tell us to about set it. the stage. <laughs> we are in a red lit bunker, and it is rife with gunshots and violence. And from what we can tell, it seems to be this infiltration of demons that are being definitely handled by a bearded, scarved Dean Winchester, <laughs> Outlander Dean. Fuck. Fingerless gloves. Tactical vest. Uh, Handsome. Beard. Oh, my God. Beard. We finally get to see Bearded Dean. I know. And he is kicking some serious ass here. I really got to appreciate the fight this this uh, rewatch. You know, when it was happening live, I'm just like, ooh, 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 ah. <laughs> but... But now I got to do that and rewind and watch it again. So, mm-hmm. And yeah, again, we love the stor- stunt coordinator that is on the yes. show right now. They pull out all the stops and there's nothing less than just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Supernatural. It definitely feels like that higher caliber than a television show. Pulling from John Wick, good on you guys. That was a good grab. Yeah, I don't think that you see, you know, fight scenes like this. And like you said, high caliber fight scenes. Like, this would slot right in with with a, a fucking Captain America movie. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're we're happy campers right off the bat. Um, as these demons are dropping like flies, there is one hunter ally that we see alive. Dean doesn't attack him, seemingly has good instincts on that. But there are distant sounds of the fallen. And so it sounds like whatever battle's going on. Thank God they have Dean because otherwise they're losing. Yeah. Yeah. Dean is definitely not alone here. Like you said, uh, he he runs into one ally in the hallway, but we hear those distant fights. And and there's a, a lot going on. And there's fighting from, you know, two teams or fucking paintballing mm-hmm. it out here so so he i don't know who his allies are though which is why i'm kind of like fixated on it it's like oh there's so many questions brought up because of this who are these people? red-eyed vision that we got here yeah yeah and so dean and his comrade they split ways again and they're they're you know trying to clear the bunker it looks like and mm-hmm. dean yeah, takes out a few more demons going down the hallway and i swear to god i watched dean's little like dive tumble double tap scene 15 times it was so good i remember the behind the scenes clip that showed him training with this stunt coordinator Mm -hmm. and yeah he had it was Jensen going through the motion of grabbing the guy, tossing him onto the mat, and then doing a forward roll over the mat and then getting right into, like, attack pose. I was like, 40 years old. My bones are falling out of my body. But <laughs> good. Like, uh, I now have goals. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and, it, and you know, it was really cool to watch uh, in that besi- behind-the-scenes clip, but it was just masterful in this to see it like on the screen it was so good yes and so yeah as dean is clearing the hallways he dives into the kitchen takes a glimpse in here because he sees an ally on the ground breathing his last (gasps) and oh my god it's benny it's benny what the fuck favorite characters is Benny, my heart. Oh my god, what the fuck? And like Benny's hardly here, but he's not gonna make it, and he's saying as much. And I'm like Dean with his fingerless gloves, but no, focus <laughs> B. Benny goes and says, "I'll see you on the other side, brother." I'm like, rip. Yeah. And so. What is this? Or or do we just keep going and and then talk about it at the end? Do we I I let's get to the end of the red and then okay. wake up like Sam and be like, "Okay, so what?" <laughs> I'm pulling out my hair like, "What <laughs> is it?" Benny croaks like, "We bring him back just to watch him die again." You know. Okay. Dean is looking for someone. He's trying to get some answers from the demon that's in the kitchen. The demon's trying to villain monologue, so Dean just shoots Mm. him. And he then goes into the war room, and then, lo and behold, Sam emerges from a destroyed library. Boy, King Sam! Boy, King Sam! Boy, King Sam! Demon blood! Yes, yes. He is very, like, he's very... Kind of that white suited inverse Lucifer 
that he's got his brow down it's not the open face yes it's very menacing yes and i'm immediately like i'm like oh no my villain kink is activated he's he's moving with a lot of control he's looking down at dean and he's very calm while we see so much emotion in dean's eyes but Sam is just totally removed from it. Yeah, he's he's just speaking with this inevitability or something. Yeah. Like he when he is speaking to Dean, he's going like, I knew you would come looking for me after Sue falls. And we get again these tantalizing, what does it mean? tidbits yeah. where Dean goes, What you did to Bobby, to Jody. And Sam just returned, like, I, I will not be stopped. And we hear from Dean that it's the demon blood. He's trying to get through to his brother saying, it's the demon blood making you do this. But but oh again, Sam's not not hearing it. And uh, that that comrade that we saw earlier in the hallway is uh, he rounds the corner out of the library and he's trying to, I guess, sneak up on Sam. But Sam is is aware he's there and he snaps his neck with a little tick of the chin. And and Dean is just saying, Sam, please, you don't have to do this. Yeah. And Sam doesn't even have anything to say to that he just looks at dean with contempt and satisfaction and breaks dean's neck as well yeah his eyes go demon black and just with zero hesitation he snaps dean's neck and dean is down on the ground and that's kind of our last shot before we return to our sam who emerges gasping from the nightmare. Yes. Yes. What does okay. it mean? Analysis hat on. The fuck? The fuck? Um, so, number one. Uh, 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 Benny, okay? Mm-hmm. I think I think Benny has to be our, like, cornerstone of is this alt? Is this future? Is this a potential past? Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, is this what's to come? Or is this a discarded draft? Or what are we seeing here? And why are we seeing it? I don't think we can answer that question yet. But I I can talk about what are we seeing a little bit. Because for me, it it was Benny. Now, Benny... Benny dies, but he doesn't. He seems to be human, right? This is definitely yeah. a human Benny. Yeah, this doesn't strike me as a vampire Benny. I mean, Benny even says, "See you on the other side, brother." And you know, it, it, we know what the other side would be if if Benny were going to purgatory. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm firmly on the not vampire side. Yes. Now. Does that even tell us anything? I know. Are we in total, like, wonderland where anything is possible? Like, what? I don't know. I, I, where I'm at at this moment is I think that we are going to be revisiting whatever this verse is. I am inclined to think of it as a discarded draft or as 
discarded pieces that Chuck may bring into consideration for any plot he's considering writing in the future. He'd be like, oh, remember when I kind of was thinking we should do that and then I skipped it or we did something else. Like, this is what it's kind of feeling like to me is we're getting these glimpses into timelines that could have been. That brings me to why. Like, why are we seeing this? Why is Sam seeing this? What relevance does it hold for the story going forward? I feel like, if anything, I... I'm trying not to go too crazy speculation, Uh but to me, it really feels like the Fido, you know, the fly in the ointment. This is going to be the wild card that Sam has in whatever destiny we see our characters moving forward in their conflict with Chuck, that he is getting insight into Chuck through these glimpses. And right now we just go, okay. Mm -hmm. They're weird-ass dreams, but are they going to be something that somehow become useful down the road? I don't know. I mean, I I do agree that we are definitely going to be revisiting this. We've got to come back to it. Uh, Oh, my God, yes. But but how? I I don't know. Did they really fly Ty Olsen in just to do a a fucking death throes scene? They did! How much... Could they have possibly filmed with Dean's hiatus beard? We we just don't know. I know. Hey, there's so many questions of, you know, what footage do they have in the back warehouse that is going to come out in future episodes? And is there going to be new things that they bring to us? You know, are there different discarded drafts, maybe slight variations to this one or new ones entirely that we're going to see? Like, there's just so many questions right now. We have nowhere near enough to really pin down what this is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we talked last night um, on on our after talk, uh, other possibilities like it, 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 kind of fleshing out, could this be a future is it a alt world? Is, is stuff like that? And and you know, after even though we talked about it a lot last night, I think that I am coming back from this is a possible future, just because looking at Sam here, he is so far removed from anything that I see Sam like, like uh, I don't know, regressing into. It it would be. I don't know. I can see a little bit of foundation there because so much that we see of Sam in this episode is that he is wounded and he is having a lot of difficulty checking back into his life. And so depending on how well he can get his footing and rally from that, I I don't know if I could see him regressing to demon blood, but I could see some space there for him to kind of flounder through how he handles the emotions that he has right now. Yeah, maybe this is all that we're going to see of this draft. And then later we're going to be seeing other, you know, alternate realities for for Sam and Dean in Sam's visions. And, and it really is just these glimpses into Chuck's psyche. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this is all this is all just wild speculation, and and we, but I'm 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 excited for it. So yeah, this is a really fascinating element that they're giving to us right now, uh-huh. and it's really neat for Supernatural to not just be handing us the answers. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but yeah. So Sam is woken up, and we next see Dean eating alleged veggie bacon in the kitchen sam enters and dean is trying to engage him in conversation going oh like did you have a rough night and sam (laughs) admits that he's having weird dreams yeah and uh dean says i know what that's like and then he says bacon (laughs) (laughs) eat something you'll feel better and sam looks at the pan and it's like you know i don't eat that crap and Dean says, it's veggie bacon. You've been asking for it. Look, I, I, I'm playing nice. Eat your breakfast. Yeah. Despite his history of protesting this element, he has brought it into the kitchen, especially for Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allegedly. Sam, Sam does not seem convinced. And he says, uh, I'm quoting you here. You said, I don't want any of that hippie Sarah and yes I am going to quote it because oh my god how can I not (laughs) thank you that hippie Sarah McLaughlin grass eater crap in the meat man's kitchen no way and then yeah meat man it doesn't mean what you think it means and Dean just a beat yeah it does um but but B yeah I'm putting yes Remy I'm putting my tinfoil hat on here Please do. So we see Dean taking that beat to... We see him thinking about what Meat Man actually means. Yes. And then (laughs) he still says, no, yeah, it does. It means what I think it means, obviously. Um, Dean, can I quote you on that one? Boy, have you never been on the internet before? No. He... Oh, no. We saw him... Consider the alternate implications of what meat man means. And then he's like, no, yeah, that's still me. I'm the meat man. I'm like, this is back to season 13 when Rowena was asking him, did they get to fifth base? And Dean, uh, he doesn't know whether it's better to admit to knowing it or to admit to not knowing it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I wasn't sure how I was going to take this because I can see it as being one of those siblings like, no, I'm, I'm just going to insist that I'm right, even if I know I have no ground to stand on. Nope, that's my tin hat. He he just admitted to something. And then and I'm just going to I'm just going to I'm just going to say that. All right, Remy, I appreciate this. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Dean is pointing out that Sam is not good. He's barely left his room in the last couple days. And he is just kind of going over their losses again and trying to assure Sam that Rowena knew what she was getting into. She knew what needed to be done. And Sam just isn't taking any comfort from that. No, he says it's it it still hurts. Um, or no, he says, yeah, well... That isesn't making any better, and Dean just, just nods and says, "Yeah, well, yeah, 
And, yeah. But but I do like this conversation. We're having a serious talk. We're being open about our feelings. Where Dean is not is 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 you know he's being cheerful. And we've seen him do this before. Put on that like good cheer front and use it as a shield. Uh, to like I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. We're gonna yes. we're good. Um, but but here we see him. Like there's a certain level of that, but he's not so wrapped up in it now that he can't, you know, let it drop to to be there for Sam in the way that Sam needs him to acknowledge uh you know what Sam is feeling. Yes, I think that too. We are definitely seeing Dean being this more cheerful like he's gone into the caretaker mode for his brother and he's trying to keep spirits up but we'll see by the final scene with them that even dean is struggling with this facade that he's holding and so i think the fact that he's struggling also gives him a bit more empathy and ability to drop the cheerfulness and agree like no this doesn't make it any easier but at the same time, Dean immediately goes and grasps for another distraction, you know? Yes. It's, it's Sam in season 13, episode 5, Advanced Thanatology, when Dean is having a rough go. So Sam was trying to find him beer, bacon, booze. Like, we're going to go to a strip club. We're going to do all of these things. And it's not what Dean wanted, but it was something Sam saw himself as okay, I can do this and maybe it'll help. We have Dean on the opposite side of this now. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, just last season with, um, um, the, the Pleasantville episode, what, oh, peace Peace of of mind. mind. Um, we saw, you know, the last time Sam was struggling, the last time Sam was down, he did take comfort in those working those cases. And now here we are just a few months later. And maybe this is Dean, you know, one trying to distract, get back into the swing of things. But two, historically, this is what Sam wants to do with his grief. He wants to, you know, dive into the work and by the end of this episode i mean dean said the reason that i'm doing this i was ready to give up but the reason that i'm doing this is because of you and you reminded me that our work matters and and we are fighting the good fight yeah but i think this whole episode is really illustrating how flimsy that is for them now oh yeah like I, I'm like, I'm saving this for the final conversation between them, but we're seeing these really subtle cracks in the facade already just with, hey, I, okay, veggie bacon wasn't a distraction. Okay, a case. Here's my next distraction. We're seeing all the ways that this isn't really working for either one of them right now. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you brought up uh, advanced thanatology because uh, I saw one little golden nugget of meta on Tumblr right before we hopped on. I think it was from um, uh, Tink on Tumblr. She said, you know, the last time we saw Dean eating bacon was was in advanced thanatology when he when he was grieving Cass. And now here we are. Cass just left and he, he's comfort eating again. Mm, I'm like, I could have sworn we've seen him eating bacon since then. Mm. But I do agree that this episode is like Dean the comfort eating buffet. (laughs) (laughs) Because 
There's so many scenes where we see him either with food or drink. Like he's just keeping his hands busy and his mouth full. It's an interesting it's an interesting choice. And let's remember that Jensen directed this episode. Yeah. So so he, this is, I, I believe, an, an intentional uh, move that, like you said, in every scene, almost every scene, we see Dean eating or drinking something. And is it, you know, comfort or I don't know. But um, but right now, right now, before we spiral too far out right now, <laughs> we have a case. And yes. I think it's Minnesota or this one is in Iowa. Iowa. It's in Beaverdale and it is this desecrated body of this girl that was found. There's been some cattle mutilations and the like in the area. So they're saying, yeah, this is our kind of stuff. But Sam is trying to pass it off to somebody else. And it's just Dean who is adamant saying, nope, you and me, we need this. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Sam's hair is really good this scene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Sam is saying, you know, let one of the other hunters take it. I, But but Dean, again, opening up a little bit, pulling back the curtain, he's saying, no, we need this. So we're going to we're going to do this together. Yeah. And so. kind of in big brother fashion, he's taking the reins on this and he goes to leave. Sam grabs a piece of the alleged veggie bacon, takes a bite. No, this isn't veggie bacon at all. And (laughs) Dean comes back just to revel in the title of Meat Man. He's peacocking. He's so proud. (laughs) And like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, we're talking about this whole scene is like trying to give comfort, poor coping mechanisms. And then I'm like, the veggie bacon is a lie. So I'm like, Someone write me the Tumblr post that is just about the fact that, like, even the thing that Dean is trying to comfort him with is, like, that spoonful of sugar for bitter mess. Yeah, I'm going to try and get you here thinking that this is what you want. And it's it's just a lie to try and get your foot in the door. Anyways. Damn. <sighs> it's crazy what four hours of sleep will bring you for insight. <laughs> <laughs> insights so next scene is sam uh outside of a high school in beaverville mm-hmm. i think it's beaverville high school is it beaverdale beaverdale uh yes and sam is standing with a vice principal bailey and she is uh talking about the victim uh susie and just saying, you know, Susie was a great girl. She was, you know, really social. She was, you know, name a committee, name a club. And she was in it. And, mm-hmm. you know, she was just really well-loved. And, and this is such a shame. And Sam is asking, you know, does she have any really close friends? And and uh, Bailey points out uh, the group of, uh, a group of girls, um, organizing a prayer group for Susie and as Sam and uh, Bailey are talking uh, a woman uh, a a suburban mom can I speak to your manager walks up (laughs) yes so Sam and Bailey are approached by the Whitmans who are upset that Susie's prayer vigil is postponing a lacrosse game that their son was going to have a scout watch him at 
And the mom Janet here is really trying to push like, oh, you know, we could just do the vigil at halftime and still have the game. And, you know, Yale's Billy's first choice. We got to make sure he gets it. And Sam through this whole thing is just getting increasingly annoyed by what he's hearing. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a young lady is dead and you're worried about a football game? Yeah, that their priority is the game instead of this loss of life here. Right, right. Uh, uh, the woman says, well, it's lacrosse. And what, what did she say? It's the, what, what, what made, she, made her say it was the end of the world? Well, along the lines of, it's his first choice. If he doesn't get in, it's the end of the world. Oh, and that's right. where Sam retaliates to it, just saying the end of the world is the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. And and she looks back at, at Sam. And this is the second time that, that Sam has cut in to what uh, Mrs. Whitman believes to be like a her and Bailey conversation. And she just keeps looking <laughs> at Sam like, you're still like, what? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but Mrs. Whitman, Mrs. Whitman looks over. No, what's her name? Gosh, <laughs> Janet Whitman. Janet. Uh, Mrs. Whitman. Uh, for some reason, I thought I had the the last name wrong. So, nah. oh, <laughs> you got it. You're golden. Uh, says says what? What were we even? What? <laughs> well, <laughs> Where were well we? essentially, she's trying to negotiate terms. Oh, and right, right. Bailey's just like no bueno, you know. She goes cold, and that's the end of the discussion. And when the Whitmans leave, Bailey kind of gives a bit of steam loose, talking to Sam, saying, I swear, the parents are worse than the kids. Yeah, and Sam's just like, yeah. yeah. If that's what you deal with all day, then I I feel you. Yeah. And this is really our first glimpse for Sam this episode of seeing just how detached and distant he is from the scale of distress in quote unquote normal people's lives. Because so much of this episode is about what is normal. And I think Sam and Dean finally grieving like they're they're grieving the loss of the fact that no this is nothing that we're ever going to connect to again. I agree with you 100% on that. You know, every once in a while we revisit this, you know, I all I ever wanted was a normal life or or either Sam or Dean kind of taking a shot at the normal life or Something along those lines. I mean, later in this episode, Dean says, you know, when you were a kid, all you ever wanted was to, you know, end up in a place like this. And it is, I think, putting to rest those notions, but not in a, not really in a, um, it's not in a kind way. It, well, I was going to say it's not in a way where, like, Dean removing himself from Lisa and Ben or Sam realizing that it would be best for Amelia if he just moved on. It, it, those were these instances where you still kind of felt like they... I don't know. They felt the call of the life and they realized that the life is what they wanted for themselves and they were never going to be happy in that like apple pie life. So, so they knew that, that those, you know, white picket fences was not what they wanted, 
but it it still felt like they had to pull themselves away from it and it still felt like they were really um making some great sacrifice to do it personally mm-hmm. for them and here it's more of a just acceptance and and it's not with so much sorrow that they're putting to rest those notions they're just uh, they seem you know pretty centered in in themselves and what they know they want you know like they know that they're that they were not going to fit in this world yeah so. i i the the way that you're describing though feels a bit more peaceful than it read to me though like we're going to see in the upcoming scene that it's almost with disdain that they're now looking down at the normal life or at least sam in particular has such almost disgust for it now you're right it's not just this contentment in you know we hunt monsters that what that's what we do they're not setting it aside with this like calm acceptance they're like you said, there is that level of of disdain, and it's weird. It's different, and you're right that I wasn't completely, you know, right with. Well, the- I I wasn't right when I said grieving either because it's not grief really. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, we're in a couple scenes. I want to get into a bit, uh-huh. but um, from here we cut back to Dean comfort eating on the hood of the Impala. He's got pretzels, and he's just <laughs> back from the morgue. And he tosses over to Sam a container with a vampire fang that was found on the victim, but it makes no sense because the way Susie died does not match a vampire's MO. Yeah, uh, vamps don't tear apart their victims, they just drain them. Yes. And so they're they're going to go check out uh, where Susie's body was found. And as they're getting into the car, the Beaverdale mascot uh, zooms by on his motor scooter. And Dean really liked the scooter beaver. He loves it for probably the same reason he loves the title Meat Man. (laughs) We're fine. We have a short scene that comes after this one where it is nighttime outside of the high school and one of the cheerleaders, Tori, is on her phone and she's kind of ragging into her friend Veronica saying that she's being super fake about Susie's death. Yeah. And just as she's getting ready to climb into her car, she is bombarded from this figure that comes out from the bushes and... We don't really see what happens from there, but she is attacked and presumably taken. Yep. Yep. So now now is the time Mm -hmm. for Sam and Dean (laughs) to drive out to where Susie's body was found. Yes. It's the next day. We have Sam and Dean in a wooded area. Um, There's crime scene tape around. And first off, they are saying, you know... This is where they found her body. What is it missing? And Dean says, there's no blood. Yep. And, and hmm, that's suspicious. What does that mean? That means that uh, wherever she was killed, it, it probably wasn't here. She was killed somewhere else, and then her body was dumped here after it was, you know, dismembered. 
Yeah. And Dean is just like, man, the the local authorities are right freaked about this one. They're they have no idea how to handle it. Yeah. And that sentence right there is kicking us off into this conversation that is just further demonstrating how detached or distant Sam and Dean are from normalcy. Because this is where we're digging into that disdain again. Sam is kind of pissed that they're the ones who are always carrying the weight of the truth while everyone else goes back to their white picket fence bubbles. Like, all of this language is very almost like, fuck you to the suburbanites. It is disdainful. He's saying, man, everything with these people is the end of the world, late to work, kid not getting into the right school. They don't know anything about what's really out there. Yeah. And and he says it in a way that's not like we're protecting them from what's really out there. It's a, like, if only they knew what really mattered. Yeah. It feels like, well, and, okay, that's what Sam's doing. But yeah. Dean, he starts day drinking. So, (laughs) yeah, cut big eyes on that one. But what we're seeing here is almost the PTSD aftershock of what they've discovered about Chuck and their lives and dealing with the ghost apocalypse. Like the scale of what happened there, the people that they lost in such a short span of time. Now they're like, oh, you're late for work. Well, who gives a fuck? God is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the worst thing that happened your day? Well, fuck you too, Janet. (laughs) I shot God this weekend. (laughs) No, I think think it really is. I think I love that. I love that, that there's this, like, this PTSD, this aftershock of this shift in perspective, Mm -hmm. like, All of this has happened where they just found out that their lives are a lie and and nothing is real and the points don't matter. Yeah. They've peeked behind the curtain and now they're still trying to do what they've always done. And they're like, oh, wait, this is a script. Right, right. No, no, we can still be happy even though it's a script. But, like, neither one's feeling it. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're doing what we've always done, but there's... Now the question of why ha- why have we always been doing it? But we've kind of had that question in the past, like why is it always us? But now instead of why is it always us? I'm tired of this, and and I want something better for myself. It's a why is it always us? We take on the burden of the world, and and there's just but what what the fuck else am I gonna do? Yeah, and it's kind of like, these are the people we're saving. Like, we're getting this level of jadedness, almost. Like, they're trying not to embrace it, but you just feel it seeping through the pores of the mask that they're trying to wear. Yeah, I like that. That is a layer to it that I hadn't previously considered. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just what they're saying right now. Like, I underlined, we don't get normal. Like, it's not anymore, we don't fit with it. It's just straight up, we're completely separated from it. Yeah. And I think really that's what we're seeing this episode is, okay, it's still the job, but they're so detached from it that it's almost like the empathy is gone. 
And, you know, I think that we saw a little bit of that in the first few episodes, you know, where we had Cass as the voice of empathy and, and, uh, Sam and Dean weren't really looking at Harlan and the people of Harlan. They were just trying to Big solve picture. the problem. And, and now that Cass is gone, I think that we see Sam and Dean on that same track and I cannot wait to talk about this in detail later. Are you thinking like the last scene? Because there's so much shit that's coming into there. It's yeah, it's a lot, but, but this whole episode is a look, it's Sam and Dean. They're hunting the monster. They're they're doing the life that they always were going to do, right? This is what you want to see them doing, right? Just Sam and Dean. Yeah, yeah. Oh and God. there's just this layer of wrongness to everything in this A-plot. And yes. I think it's supposed to drive that way for the viewer. I think so, yeah. It, it's, not, it's not what we want. It's not what yeah. we want. So we're we're seeing what we've always seen. You know, this is the formula for the monster of the uh-huh. week, but our characters aren't feeling it and we're feeling it too. Yep. Yep. So but, that that's kind of just just one last thing on that detachment yes. from, you know, the normal world, that complete severance of it. Um yeah, that's what I I th- that's what I was getting at a little bit with um how they talked about like the normal life previously versus how they're talking about it now. It's like when they did either put themselves into the normal life or, or realize that they didn't actually want the normal life and then remove themselves from it. It was still with, you know, some level of investment. Yeah. That, normal was still a choice they felt they could make they could embrace this if they wanted it more than they wanted the life they had yeah right now we just see them with no no passion there's no yeah. passion in what in what they're doing they're yeah. just going through the motions exactly there's no flavor to what they are experiencing right now their their taste buds are dead they are just eating the bland meal yeah yeah and it's so interesting because Dean was the one who was like, you know, you and me, we're going out there. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we need this. We're going to do yeah. what we do best. But it's like now that they're actually out there and Sam, you know, didn't want to go, which fair. But now that they're ac- actually out there, they're just both struggling so hard with why are we even here? Yeah. Who are we even helping? Yeah. The, none of this is being said textually, but we're experiencing it through how they're talking about their surroundings and their coping mechanisms that we're seeing. Yeah. But holy but, but crap. Last thing. Last thing. <laughs> to, last thing. To be fair, it is Sam more so than Dean. We see Dean both here and at, in the final scene, we see Dean kind of give... Uh, uh, Sam a sharp look when Sam started being really cynical. It, I, and then later... I'm going to disagree with you. What? Later, yeah. Dean brings it back to, no, we are helping. This I, is why we do it. I'm going to be disagreeing with you. <sighs> to get to that 
Okay, okay, okay. Remy, okay. we are 48 minutes in and we have hit the 15 minute mark of the episode. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> We're fine. But... <laughs> But yeah, we have <laughs> the end of this scene is them fielding a call from Bailey who just said, yeah, there's been another one. Yeah. And I don't think that's her language. I think that's theirs. But yes. So that is where we stop in Iowa. And all of a sudden we jump over to Michigan mm-hmm. where there is a man named Rod and two kids who are clamoring into a minivan and they all look ready for a fishing trip out to one of the lakes. And then who do we see come from right field but Becky Rosen. Becky motherfucking Rosen. Oh, I was so happy to see her. I mean, I, okay, I was only so happy to see her because I knew, I, 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 I just felt it in my soul that we were going <laughs> to bring her up from where we tore her down the last time that we saw her. So Yeah, she's she's one of those characters that you see and you kind of get a note of trepidation in you because you go, okay, she's such a meta character for how the show views its fan, like its passionate female fans. Yeah. And so how are they going to, what lens are they using to look at us now? Yeah. You know, yeah. are they kind or are they looking down on us with cynicism? So whenever Becky shows up, it's like, Ugh. well, we're starting off strong, though, right? Because yeah. we see this happy family and we see Becky, you know, just living her best life. Yeah, she comes out with gravel for Rod Jr. And she has a little bit witty banter with her husband here. I'm like, husband, kids, suburbia. She is really happy for them, but she's also stoked to be having the day for herself. And when this minivan pulls out of the driveway and takes the corner, Chuck appears across the street. And he starts calling for Becky as she (laughs) flees back to the house. (laughs) She she nopes right out of there. She's She's like, nope, 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 nope. But before she can get through, back through her front door, uh, uh, Chuck does get her attention and says, Becky, please, I just, I just want to talk. Yeah. She's saying she doesn't want anything to do with him, but he's pulling on her sympathy and saying that he's had a rough couple of weeks she tries going, no, that's not my problem. But he goes, no, I don't have anywhere else to go. And she's like, <laughs> fuck. Oh, man. Yeah. She lets she lets him in. And, 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 but even everything about this, I love. Because Becky is pushing back on Chuck. She's like, no. <gasps> you are not my problem. She's Scruffy like, I have boundaries. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, but I'm going to exploit the ways that, like, these old habits. Oh my god, we could talk about old habits and the way oh, Chuck I, is. Oh, I really want to talk about it in the next scene. Yes, um, because it, it, you know, that's the that's my biggest question. That's my umbrella question under over all of these scenes. It is what is truth and what is ma- manipulation. So I really <laughs> want to get into it. So we can see Becky kind of bowing. She's going to invite Chuck in. And we cut briefly back to Principal Bailey, and she is advising Sam and Dean that Tori is missing. Her vehicle was abandoned in the parking lot, and the 
principal, she's very worried. She's like, do you guys think this is going to keep going? Like, But yeah. Sam is just routing her back and saying, what are the commonalities between Tori and Susie? And it's basically that they were both cheerleaders. Yeah. Dean makes a very distasteful joke about fetishes. Yeah. And Becky, not Becky, uh, Bailey calls him out on it. So Yeah. She just, excuse me. Yeah. And that's just another checkbox that's showing that there's just no s- sense of normalcy. There's no scale for appropriate remarks anymore. It's just, oh, this is the thing that I think is funny. And then wait, that's a bad social thing to do in this moment. That's a faux pas. Every single scene with Dean and Sam draws attention to that, like, that disconnect. Yeah. Uh, They're the weirdos that are approaching before. They're no longer able to really smile and fake it. You're like, okay, this is weird. This is inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Every everyone that they interact with senses that from them. They are no longer able to fake it. It's so interesting. It's a super interesting. So, back to Becky. Back to Becky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Be- Becky and Chuck are are are, you know, Becky's giving him a little tour of the house um and and they're talking about uh Becky's Etsy business. Yeah. She has made these miniature models and Chuck is just kind of like, okay, what the fuck? But she's explaining that it's her business. She's the most successful supernatural Etsy site in America and probably the world. But Chuck is not listening to that. He's going, oh, so you're still obsessed with my work. Mm-hmm. But Becky, my soul. She goes, you mean my work? Yes. And she says, Chuck, look, you spun a a great universe, and I'm a big fan. You were so authentic, but I got obsessed and I went dark with it. But she got herself therapy, she got herself perspective, and then she started writing her own fix that were a take on his world. And she tended to fixate on domestic AUs. I'm screaming. I'm like, my heart, my soul right here. yeah yeah she said you know i focus in on what everyone really cares about the boys sitting around doing laundry and just talking you know that's the best part yeah and and chuck's not listening no he's like well what about the monsters and becky meh yeah that's not what the fans want anymore that's not who the fans are anymore yeah and and Chuck's like, oh, come on. People love the monsters. The Leviathans, they were cool, right? Yeah. And Becky just says, oh, honey. Uh, we Like, she's talking about her success, her the people that she's connected with. She has a following, and Chuck is still fixated on the monsters. He's not looking at what is actually pleasing to the fans, a.k.a. Becky's buyers. He's just, again, looking at his own selfish perspective of it. Yeah. Yeah. And Becky is just eventually, look, Chuck, nice to see you, but today was supposed to be a me day. Today, I was supposed to catch up on all my things. I have billing to do. I have orders to, to get out. And I have three AU fic deadlines breathing down my neck. So what do you want? If you want to talk, then talk. Yes. She just wants to get back to her life. And I'm like, oh, girl, I love you. You have boundaries. I know. 
And so Chuck gets into a quick rundown saying he's had a falling out with Sam and Dean and he's low on resources and he's just feeling rejected and stuck and he's looking for his number one fan to see if she'd help him feel big again. Yeah, and Becky, like there's a beat of silence and she says, so you want me to fluff you? Oh my God. I swear to fucking God. We have Meat Man. We have Beaverdale. We have Fluffers. I uh-huh. am like, this is season 15. They're like, what you gonna do? Fire me? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it. And Chuck Chuck says, no, no, I wouldn't. No. And B- Becky's just, yeah, you do. D- you thought that you could come into my house and... and and you would get from me what you always got from me. Yeah. You think that I would be the same person I was when you left. And I'm like fixated on the whole Chuck is God thing. It's like he yeah. never gave her a thought afterwards. And so he's like, well, who cares what she's doing? Because I'll come back and she'll do what I want. But Becky's saying, no, I like myself for the first time in a long time. And I don't need you. Yeah. Well, he seems a little chastised. He seems a little humbled in this moment. He says, no, mm-hmm. I, I know you, you don't need me. And he has a little bit of self-pity in saying, you know, no one does. Yeah. And but then he, he, he rallies and he says, Becky, really, I, I like that you like yourself. I like that you're doing so good. He's saying that makes me happy. But, you know, I kind of hate me right now. And and I just don't know what to do. Yeah, he's just lost right now. And it is what you're saying. This is a bit of a moment where he feels humble. He feels more vulnerable than he's allowed himself to really be up to this point. Because what he's done is, help me, help me, I'm needy, to Amara. And she said, Mm -hmm. fuck off, I have Kino games to play. (laughs) And then, Becky, help me feel big again. And she's like, fuck off. And then he goes, yeah, I guess, like, no one needs me, but I'm happy for you. Like, he's so close to these moments where he could learn something, but he's not listening. Yes, exactly. When, When he does get vulnerable, Becky responds to it, and she says, well, let's... Let's let's figure it out. Let's sit down and find what will m- make you feel better. And when she kind of caves to it, Chuck immediately just is is like, "Okay. Yeah. You're oh, you're paying you're attention at me to me again. now." Yeah. yeah. And and that's where that's where I'm at where I'm like, "What is genuine and what is manipulation?" Mhm. How aware of how aware of his you know coercion is Chuck? How how intentional is it, or is he just so egocentric, egotistical that he just shrugs off those vulnerabilities as soon as he gets what he wants? 
I think it is a bit that he doesn't realize how manipulative he is because it's so instinctual to him to get what he wants. Yeah. He's never been in this place where his favorite leads have said, go fuck yourself and shot him and he's diminished and feeling lost and like trying to find comfort. And his goal for comfort is not in an empathetic way. It's in a, what can you do for me? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, I, okay, you have convinced me that it really is that he is just coming into the room and talking, talking, talking about himself and just waiting to seize on the responses that he wants and ignoring everything else. Yeah. It strikes me as he doesn't mean to be manipulative in this moment, but it is manipulative. Like, he doesn't realize that he's doing it. It's just so natural to him at this point. He's never examined it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, okay, cool. Yes. So she tries asking him what makes him happy and he admits, okay, it's writing and creating and she's telling him to just go after that. And we'll stop there, but we're coming back to them in a couple scenes from now. Because mm-hmm. it's time that we go back to Dean, who is comfort eating a hot dog this time. And <laughs> he's talking to the beaver mascot. He looks really, like, so excited to be getting this hot scoop of gossip from Toby. <laughs> Toby the beaver. Mm-hmm. And Sam comes up and, and Dean kind of gives his goodbyes. He's like, all right, take care, man. And to- Toby the beaver sc- scooters on out of there. And Sam is like, really, Dean? Gossiping with the beaver now? And <laughs> Dean, you know, we talk about how no one's connecting with the people in this episode. But Dean does take a moment here to say, like, hey, he's a really smart kid, okay? He's got a full ride to IU and and he's going to go places. Yeah, don't be dismissive just because he's wearing a cartoon mask. Yeah, and and Sam's just like, what, what, what did you learn? And Dean's still eating his hot dog. He says, okay, so here's the scoop. Uh, Susie was cheer captain and, you know, with her gone second in line, uh, Tori was was first to take her place, mm-hmm. and then and then Sam's like, okay, I think I see where this is going, and yeah. so with Tori gone, who's next? Yeah, one and two are gone. So who was number three? And this is apparently Veronica, and so we cut to the high school gym, and we see Veronica and Billy commiserating with each other over Susie's death. And she says that he was really close to Susie, too. And if there's anything you need, but this conversation doesn't get very far because Billy's mom, Janet Whitman, appears <laughs> at the door of the gym and, like, orders him over. And he has to leave Veronica, who now jumps into practicing her eulogy for Susie. Yeah, Veronica. And we're getting some, like, Shifty Biscuits vibes from Veronica through this, right? Mm -hmm. We're meant to be because uh, Veronica, when she's talking to Billy, she's, like, very obviously, like, so I know you and Susie were a thing, but 
I'm so sorry for your loss. If you need anything, just let yeah. me know. The thirst is real. Yeah, so, she's like, can I be your emotional support thing? Uh, and and then when Billy leaves, um, she steps up to the podium and she starts practicing her, I, what, eulogy? That's what I'm calling it. Uh, her fucking speech for this you know service that that the school is holding for Susie and I'm sorry but Davy what the fuck <laughs> I'm like it felt so high school it felt so sincere high school like I do really good in my English class and look at me making my metaphors <laughs> I Davy what kind of wish fulfillment are you living out here? Purple I need prunes. to know. I need to know. What I, I can only think of two things. Either one, he was valedictorian of his class and he was having like fucking war flashbacks to the hours he spent <laughs> on his own speech. And what quote was he going to pull from Robert fucking Frost <laughs> during his own high school oh. valedictorian speech? Or, or he really, really wanted to be valedictorian. I was waiting and, for a, like, what's gold, pony boy. <laughs> and and this is him, like I said, living the dream. Oh, my God. Yeah, because she's mentioning, like, Susie was a ghost orchid and a snowflake and made of gold and just... Beautiful like, inside so and out. It's so and high school. She was a part of me and is now a part of all of us and will always be a part of all of us. And s- snowflakes don't last forever. Oh, just... Just... <sighs> Sam and Dean enter at this point and Dean is sarcastically clapping for her speech. And Veronica looks back and she's kind of like, okay. Yeah. Again. Dean. Oh my God. They're so fucking creepy. I'm like, he's like trying to demonstrate. They're coming in with the assumption she's the killer. So yeah. they're being a bit of bastardos when they're talking to her yes. and being like, oh, you know, choking up, you know, if you're going to milk it, really go and squeeze. And she's like, excuse me, who the fuck? Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm imitating my brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what fucking happened. They're, they're like, um, hey, how about we, how about we go out, go outside for a minute? We, yeah. I just want to he- talk. Hello, little girl. Would you like to come outside to my white van? Yeah. Yeah. Pay and no attention should... to the syringe. Right. Sam's holding a syringe of dead man's blood behind his back. And, and they are, again, not even trying. Like, mm. they, I wish I had more, like, case study examples, but it seems to me that they're coming in, like, on, okay, Veronica's the killer. Okay, the dad's the killer. Okay, this, that, and the other without any proof, proof? or even an attempt to, like, bait them into proof. Yep. They're just ready to kill a bitch. Yeah, they're ready to clean up whatever is the villain in this case. Like, okay, where's our monster? What's our first lead? Okay, first lead, best lead. 
Yeah, yeah. And and they're just they're just ready to dead man's blood this 16-year-old girl. Yeah. And with with again, no proof. And like I said, I wish that I um yeah, I wish it hadn't been like 18 fucking years since the last monster of the week episode <laughs> because I feel like we don't usually go in with a machete drawn. Well, before we know that the monster is the monster. Yeah, it feels like what we have happening here is so much surface skimming of the case happening for Sam and Dean. Like there's no, okay, we looked into Veronica and here's her shifty past and here's the things that make us think that it's exactly. her. It's exactly. Just, Toby said it's Veronica who's next in line for the cheerleading. So gotta be her. Let's go to her with our weapons ready. And, oh, she's looking nervous. That has nothing to do with the fact that two 35-year-old and older men have just approached her while she's alone in a gymnasium and they're being creepy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. She says, I should go. And they're about to fucking lunge. Yeah. But, but, um, Sam notices that uh veronica has braces and yes and has braces you can't really pull out the vampire fangs without fucking those over so yeah. they 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 just like fucking turn around and leave they yeah. burst out the the gym doors and they're like braces fuck yeah yeah it's not even like sorry for harassing you young lady they just go out and then well we don't have yeah. a lead anymore it's not even like oh, we were so close to, like, killing an innocent girl or just assuming that this kid was responsible for it. It's, well, what the fuck do we do to solve this now? Yeah. Yeah. And... Just perspective, again. It feels so off-kilter for them right now. And it does. They're, they don't even really realize how askew it is. Yep. And I love it. I'm... I'm complaining about it because it feels off and it feels out of character and it and it just feels lazy, but that's the point. It shouldn't feel good. It shouldn't feel it's not supposed to feel good. We 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 as the viewer are supposed to not jive with this and I am yeah. I, it's so fascinating. It's such it's difficult so work. And like, look at us 24 hours ago, okay? Like, if y'all aren't listening to our Patreon talk, long story short is a fucking sleep deprivation put me in. What happened in this episode? I don't <laughs> get it. And then watching it today and making notes. Oh, okay. That's what is really the element that this is pulling from here is that we don't get normal. And now and it's so subtle. Yes. It's, and oh. it is a hard it is a hard thread to pull. Like it, it that is a hard connection to make. It's not a pleasant one. Because we want to root for our characters. We want to yes. sit in the same boat as them. We want to feel what they're feeling. And when our characters are like, oh, no, I'm feeling everything right. And you're like, honey, child, no, no. Hello, this is my therapist. And I think you <laughs> really benefit from talking with her for an hour and a half. Yes. Oh. Yeah. You come out of this episode on first watch like, what? What the fuck was that? Yeah. It, but it's again that's the point it's so interesting it's so intriguing let's go <laughs> let's move yes. on 
<laughs> so the whole thing of them storming out into the parking lot is that Sam catches a look and he's like, all right, there's security cameras here. How have we not looked at that <laughs> after Tori was kidnapped? Okay. They mentioned they mentioned the security cameras. They said they, yeah. did the security cameras catch anything and with Susie for, for Susie with Susie, yeah. And and Bailey said n- no, nothing. And but yeah, we didn't think to look at the we were ready to kill a 16-year-old girl before we checked the security cameras yep. that we made a point of like Yep, we knew about them. <laughs> These are like, hello, boys. I know you're driving along the interstate, but it's not the interstate. Look at all these red lights. Look at all these red lights. <laughs> there are so many it. stop signs along the way that are just begging you to pull over. <laughs> so, so they're gonna they're gonna check the security cameras, but yes. first we're yes. back with Becky, back with Chuck. No, we're back with the Whitmans. Oh yeah. yeah. We have the teeny bit of Janet Whitman and her son Billy <laughs> arguing with each other and he's trying to talk to her about Susie like his what we are taking as his sorrow for her death and she is just going no we do not say her name around here. And the dad is checked out from this conversation. The mom's trying to pull him for support, but he's rolling low on charisma. He's like, do what your mother says. And she's (laughs) like, I'm going to go drink my feelings because this is not working. And we see the dad is washing blood off of his hands in the sink. Right. We have our shifty family meeting. Yes. And then as we see Henry Whitman uh, washing his hands, we pan through the house into the garage and we see Tori tied to a cot uh, with an IV in her arm. Yes. She's bound, blindfolded, bloody, and gagged, but alive. Yeah. Yeah. Now Now we go to Chuck and Becky. Chuck and Becky. So, so here we, you know, we left Chuck and Becky with, so Chuck, you have to write. I just had like a moment where I'm like, Chuck came to Becky and was like, I don't care that you had plans today. You get to be my therapist. You get to be my careers counselor. Yeah. You have to do all of this for me. Yes. And I I like I'm having a moment of oh, the unspoken emotional labor that Becky is performing here for him. And he <sighs> and he's completely taking it for granted. Yeah. And well, it's he what she's supposed to do. He takes it as his due. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, Becky's still trying to help him get his mojo. And he is complaining about the things that she's saying to him. You know, he's going, I can't see Sam and Dean anymore. It's just gone. So she goes, write something else. He's like, no, they're my favorite. I can't let go. She goes, okay, then write them. And he's like, I don't think you're hearing me. <laughs> yes, you, yes. Am I am I speaking a different language? Becky, come on, give helpful advice. Like, <sighs> I know, I know. And Becky, but Becky, she says, no, no, you're not hearing me. And I love this speech yes. so much. Becky is right, TM, TM, TM. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Um, so we talked, like, when we first saw Becky, we 
ask ourselves, like you said, that moment of apprehension. What lens are we viewing Becky through this time? And God fucking bless. It's what? Okay. Well, the call out is real, but at at least it's a fair call out because I want to know what you think of the call out is here. Becky says, you are a writer, a writer who's not writing. And when a writer's not writing, they feel sad. That's the call out because like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. 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 That okay, that's not even a call out. I'm like, thank you for that fact that like <laughs> that I I don't want to say polished, it burnished my soul because oh fuck. When writers aren't writing, they feel sad and they feel lost. And they say to themselves, Why do I feel sad? Why do I feel lost? What can I do to fix this problem? And she says all that navel gazing, all of that hair pulling, it all amounts to one thing, procrastination and doing a million other things other than the one, the one thing that could make you feel better. No, that's guaranteed to make you feel better. Yes. Yes. Writing. So Stop with the bullshit, stop the belly aching, and sit down and write. Mm-hmm. And Chuck's being a little yellow-bellied about it right now. He's saying, I'm not sure I can. But Becky insists that it's not a question of can, it's will you. She's a writer, too. And he gets dismissive about that. He's like, eh. She's like, no, like, writing is writing. Yes. Thank you. Preach, sister. Thank you, Davey. Thank you, whoever touched upon Becky in this episode to give her the lens that is appreciative and not dismissive of the fans. Yes. Yeah. So, so yes, that's where I'm at with Becky. It was, it was nigh perfect. It was really respectful of the fans and respectful yes. of the, the symbiotic relationship that goes between the show and the fandom and that people can love something so much that they want to create facets of it on their own and look at elements of the show and just because it's not the official show does not make it anything less. Chuck is still the old school mindset of, eh, it's not really. But Becky is our voice and with Chuck as the villain, she's also the voice of the heroes. And we also have Chuck as the creator who came to Becky needing Becky who yeah. is the creator if he has no fans? Yeah. He's a failed and, creator. Like, coming to Becky for help and then being dismissive of Becky as well. Like, all the elements of it, of her, that aren't adding to him. Yeah. So so we're we're now, like, we've turned the tables. We're not putting down the fan. We're, we're putting down the the creator the writer we're painting the writer in a negative light it's almost an apology i feel for like this is the wrong way to think about things yeah that this is a brand of writer that the writing room of supernatural is not jiving with yes yeah maybe in the past when we had 
Becky, the breathy fan girl who was willing to drug Sam to be with him. Like, we have seen Becky through so many different showrunners and so many different iterations of herself that that this is the final season and this is what our showrunners are telling are their opinion of the fans. It is a warm glow in my heart to know that these are the people who are sitting on the writing team and how they view the fans who engage with them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that the previous iterations of Becky was, like you said, an old way of thinking and a wrong way of thinking. And here are the current writers giving respect to the fans and appreciation to the fans and saying, yes, we do need you. And yes, you do good work. And yes, this is how we're going to end our show with this love letter to the fans. Yeah. Our fans don't need to be eat, sleeping, breathing, supernatural to be fans. Like, Becky has her own life, yeah. but she has incorporated Supernatural into it in her own ways and in ways that work for her and that she can thrive with. And it's a facet of her and it's a strong facet, but it's not the only element defining her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Love it's it. Perfect. It's perfect. Exactly. Who would have thought Becky Redemption Art comes in and we're like, hello. Me, wow. me! I wanted this so bad. <laughs> no, I'm honestly, very happy like, for you. I, I wanted this so bad. I know. I always liked Becky. I always liked Becky. That one, you know, Sam episode didn't happen. I don't even know when it happened, <laughs> but I, I, I did always like Becky, and it was, it was an insulting view of the fans mm -hmm. um so i didn't like that but i liked the fact that becky as a character in on a meta level existed yeah that there was i guess hey here's our crumbs and our foots in the door and we're at least being acknowledged i mean no it was bad it, yeah it, like it i just really like bad. i i'm trying to balance that yeah 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 it's it really was early on. It was, I've always liked Becky as a concept. I think it's a yeah. really like fascinating and intriguing thing about Supernatural, how meta they, they choose to get. And Becky, I don't know. I, I also liked the actress and, and I liked Becky, even if I didn't like what she stood for. Yeah. What she represented. Basically, what I think it boils down to is that even though I didn't like what they did with Becky, I was always very, like, intrigued by the character. And whenever Becky came, I was always, like, so here for it. What are we going to do next? And, yeah. And I have been waiting for this redemption since fucking season five. Yeah, because her presence in the narrative is us getting insight into how the show thinks of its fans and it's like in the Kripke era in the Carver era all of that we're like oh you guys kind of don't get it and yeah. then to now be in the dab era and be like you guys get it and you yeah. not only get it but you show us love and respect like just how far 
the show has come. I know. I know. And mm. I I love it. I'm yeah. so glad. I'm so glad that we got this for the final yes. season. Yes. So. Yes. But um, Chuck seems to get a moment of illumination from something she's saying here. You know, just get in and write fit it in however you can so he takes that literally and runs over to her laptop <laughs> and opens up a new post and with an ominous click that page opens and he starts writing Sam and Dean approach yeah and, and Becky is like wait wait, wait. I, didn't, I, I didn't mean now and again I'm like Chuck is just stomping over her autonomy he's like nope this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it right now yep yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sam and Dean Sam and Dean. Sam and Dean are back at the uh, school, back yes. in uh, Bailey's office, and now they have a computer in front of them, and they are watching the security footage from the parking lot. Yeah. We see a uh, masked uh, man grab Tori and drag her away from her car. There's no identifying features about this figure. It's just, like I said, he's wearing a mask. And it's they- dark and it's dark and bailey is is just oh that's not that's not good but uh sam says wait wait stop the tape and uh we have this suv driving off um down the road and we zoom into the license plate and it's basically just a got it and we're off yeah this is our next lead that we can trace. Yes. Are we going to do more than a surface dive? Well, we doubt it because the <laughs> next scene we see the Whitmans, Jonathan Henry Whitman, arguing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to do that again. We. <laughs> no. Okay. Not allowed. The mother is arguing with her son about the game and. They're saying, you know, parents are they're they've been making all these sacrifices for him. And Billy is saying, I never wanted this. I never asked for this. And they're saying, we're trying our best. But Billy just doesn't want what's going on. And that's the whole point. They're not hearing him. Yes. Yeah. And my note here was controlling parent figures is this our representative for chuck and billy is being sam and dean saying i never wanted this oh my gosh maybe i i don't know if it's the 4 a.m in me talking but (laughs) well Um, well billy billy is saying you're you're not listening to me i don't want this and the mom picks up her glass of wine puts her puts her her hand to her mouth and just walks away crying and the dad's like look what you did but it's not it's it's not quite that dramatic but we have one of those moments like yeah no one everyone's talking and no one is communicating yes and uh the doorbell goes and billy gets up to answer and lo and behold it is sam and dean on the porch yes and they're out of their FBI uniforms. They're yeah. in their good old streetwear because at this point we have stopped giving a fuck. I did notice that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my eyebrows are waggling. Yeah. Um, yeah. They ask after the dad and the dad sees them come in and is like, oh, really? Like, get the fuck out, basically. <laughs> and Dean's like, yeah, good idea. You don't want the kid to see this part. 
Oh end. my god. Oh my it's just so cold blooded. It really is. We're not and really invited to be in Sam and Dean's perspective. Even the camera keeps us at a distance from them. It's so interesting. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We just have them, like you said, back in their hunter clothes. And Henry sends Billy upstairs and Dean pulls out his machete. Mm-hmm. This is a conversational piece. Right. Initially, Henry is saying, like, well, Sam and Dean are saying, we know what you've done. And Henry is just saying, uh, look, look, okay, fine. Arrest me. Just leave my family out of it. And Dean says, arrest you? No, no, no. And he pulls out the machete. And and again, it's just like, what is happening? What is happening? <sighs> yeah. But, but there's a crash in the distance and... Sam goes to investigate that, and we 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 do know that it's Tori in the garage. We've been cutting to her in, in these brief flashes throughout the scene, yeah. and uh, she's still alive. She's still struggling against her her bound bonds. What's Bindings? the word? Bindings. <laughs> <laughs> Alliteration and- saves the day. <laughs> and. Uh, and Sam goes out to the garage while Dean pulls his machete and splitting up. That's also, that's always a grand idea because yep. we have Sam in the garage. He frees Tori. She passes out and Sam is going to pick her up and carry her out. Except here is murder mom. Yep. Janet is there with a gun and she says, you shouldn't be here. And I mean, Sam's hands are full. He can't exactly grab for a weapon. So he has to do what she says. And she walks Sam in while he's holding Tori with her gun upheld. And Tori's not good. She's lost a lot of blood. She needs a doctor. And here the mom, Janet, insists that she's (laughs) saving this family. Yeah, yeah. We have Henry like, Janet, what are you doing? And Janet insists, like, I'm I'm doing what needs to be done. Yeah, and then Henry is the one who's going, no, they they caught me for the crime that I definitely did and no (laughs) one else. And you and Billy should leave here as fast as you can. You can see on her face is like, um. And then Uh Sam is like, wait, I'm reading some shifty biscuits in the air here. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I know. I love it. It was it was good. Mm-hmm. That was a good like four-way, you know, interaction, non-verbal yeah. communications going yeah. on. Um and and from here we go back to Becky with Chuck, right? Yeah. And so Chuck has finished his draft and she is reading it on her laptop and she's like, "I love it." And I'm like, "Brackets allegedly." <laughs> it's so good you did it congratulations and you know i want to get back to my work now <laughs> yeah yeah you did such a good job you've inspired me to get back to my own work yes and chuck is just insisting for some notes and i oh my god this moment here i was like oh fuck i remember being this person i think it's perfect but the fact that you're saying it's perfect like there's got to be at least one thing that you would say to prove to me that you don't think it's perfect and then i can make it perfect like that's just what it feels like and i'm like yeah uh, staring in my history and being like baby b 
Oh no! Baby wait, wait, wait. Were you the Chuck or the Becky in this scenario? I was the Chuck. I was just like oh. my sit. I got hot shit serving up first draft. Wrote it in half an hour, and it's perfect, right? And then like. I have such forgiving friends. They're like, no, I really like it. And I'm like, yeah, but like, is there anything you would change? They're like, no, 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 it's perfect. And I'm like, you just. Oh, so it's trash then. Well, and also like, I think it's good, but I need proof that you have considered this thoroughly Mm -hmm. and come out still saying that it's perfect. Like it, it's such a baby mindset. And I'm like, God is a baby writer, and this puts more fear into me than it should. <laughs> I love it. Oh. Chuck is saying, "Oh, uh, come on, you got, you gotta have at least one note, just just g- g- anything." Mm-hmm. And Becky reluctantly says, "Well, <laughs> if I had to say one thing," and then she tears him to pieces. Yeah, and like that's the thing is that initial engagement they have with each other it's the I don't know what type of critique you're looking for and so I'm going to do what is probably the best thing to do in the unknown which is encourage you yeah you know I'm not going to tear you down but no Chuck is he's so sure that it's great that he can take whatever critique she's going to give because they're going to be nothing and nope she has a laundry list of things to say yeah, yeah. She says, uh, you know, it's it's the Jeopardy question. I just feel like the uh, it's all really low stakes. The villain is pretty weak. Uh you're you're not really racking up the tension for me. Uh she says there's there's no classic rock. Mm-hmm. No one even mentions Cass. Mm-hmm. The climax is a little stale. Here we are again, Dean and Sam tied up. We get the villain monologue. It's not your best either. And, and you know, a little originality wouldn't hurt. Yeah. And Chuck, through her piece, is just all of that enthusiasm is draining out of him and he's yes. going cold. Exactly. He has his smile still plastered on, but it has drained of any warmth. His eyes are two dead birds, and he <laughs> is just plotting how to best say, fuck you, Becky. Yes, yes. Ugh. It's exactly like you said. He is so full of himself and so self-assured that even though he's asking for constructive criticism, when he gets it, he is just instantly denying that yeah. there's there's anywhere that he like needs improvement. Yeah, it's like her opinion was valid as long as it matched what he wanted to hear. And the second she started giving critiques, well, these aren't valid, fuck you. Yeah. And I will say this for Baby B, for as much as she was boldly confident that her writing was amazing, the second that she got a harsh critique, she crumpled up like a ball and was <laughs> like, I have to do serious analysis on how to improve. I didn't go dead-eyed bird. Like, how do I best destroy this person who has given me valuable advice? Well, well, what I thought was really interesting is that he didn't, like, fix his story. No. He wrote a tragic ending yeah. to 
the 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 he just killed the characters basically. We're he's we're like, going to see in the next scene with him and Becky just how much of what you're saying is true. It's so it's so interesting to me that he's like, oh, you don't like how I did my Barbie Dream House. Well, you don't get to play either. Yeah. Oh, you don't think the stakes are high? Like, that's the part that he hears. Yeah. Oh, you want higher stakes? Well, I can do higher stakes. That's my favorite part. That's the monsters in the story. Right. And she did say, just feel it feels like low stakes Jeopardy. So. And like, that's the only thing that he's picking from it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes cold, like you say. And okay, you want Jeopardy? He doesn't even see Becky as a valid source of these critiques. But he is taking that flame that his outrage has given him and he goes and takes over her PC again and says, I'll give you danger. Yeah. I, I would like to note that it's now nighttime mm-hmm. and and he has monopolized her entire day. Yep. I'm like, yeah. Becky and her emotional labor. Like, oh, <sighs> I'm like, I could do a whole subtext show that's just talking about Becky and her recovery and then these patterns that are going through. Because she is a very giving and empathic character. And she has become someone who that is an element that she can give. And she recognized Chuck upon first entry. Nope, that's a red flag. I don't want this in my life. And he just leaned on the old emotional cues that he knew for her and like undermined the things that she has developed for herself and just made it the Chuck show featuring Becky. And and on that, I mean, even in talking to Chuck, you want me to fluff you? you yeah. You want from me what I would always give you, which is like endless encouragement and fawning. And I made you feel big because I put in that uh, fucking emotional labor. Yeah. But, but she recognizes that. But she still falls right back into it to an yeah. extent. Because he just knows those levers and switches to flip to get her into these places. And again, this has been a part of herself. She has nurtured and developed and enjoyed. Like, she embraces the fact that she's a writer. And, okay, here is a writer that she really admired, but she has found her own path off of. And he's coming here needing help. And she goes, well, like... Even just being able to engage with someone over the craft, you kind of like, yeah, I mean, if I can help you get your fire back, that's a real win for me, too. But Chuck is not there for the shared experience. He's there for himself. Oh, one more note on Becky on that is that, you know, I, I like to say that Becky previously was like this, this insulting caricature of a fan. Yeah. Uh, but we have Becky here now, and she still has her enthusiasm. But she is multidimensional. Where right. her character was before, she loved Supernatural to an unhealthy extent. Now she is someone who loves Supernatural and blends it with her life how she pleases. And, and like, people would call her a cringy character because she's just so abrasive. But she's still, like, this 
upbeat, high energy, enthusiastic, and passionate person. But now, it's just, again, the lens that we're viewing the character through has shifted and it's a positive thing. And I, I, I really like that, yeah. that we, that we kept the core of Becky without throwing everything out the window of what she used to be and being like, Oh look, now she's not bad. Like she was. Yeah. It's it, like it all tracks is what I'm saying. Yeah. So I like the that. darker elements of herself. She has gotten a stranglehold on like she's got a grip on and she's become her own self and she's saying like that's not me anymore i like myself for the first time in a long time yeah so she has found the things that were her that weren't working for her and she has engaged them and developed them into something that is healthy and working for her she hasn't given up her passion for this thing that she loves. She has reincorporated it into her life in a way that is giving her balance and joy. Yeah. Yeah. And still engaging with it. So yeah, it's a good enthusiasm. So it's still Becky. I love her. I like her a lot. Yeah. I'm really happy with her redemption and I'm just like motherfucker Chuck. Motherfucker Chuck. Yeah. So he's still writing. Yes. I'll give you danger. Oh, man. We go back back to the Whitman house. And Billy comes downstairs to see this four-person standoff going on here. With an unconscious Tory on the couch. Our fifth player is down for the count. (laughs) Dean is informing him that, you know, your dad's a vamp. And he tell me if my story is going right. And it's essentially, you know, you thought that you could deal just by nomming on cattle. But when that didn't work, you just snapped and you upgraded to nomming on people. And yeah. it's Sam who goes, no, it's not the dad. It's the son. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked I really liked that exchange where where Dean was like, am I right? And Sam says, Dean, I don't, I don't think you're right. Mm-hmm. And it's- again, this is fitting in with our whole, they're just looking for the easiest story to piece together. Okay, this is our villain. Yeah, yeah. Like it, all it, the it, assumptions that are at play here. It, it, yes, exactly. And, you know, in a second, we're going to, we're going to have Dean with a kind of an unintentional self call out. So... Uh, Sam says, no, it's it's not the dad, it's the son, it's Billy. And exactly as Dean said, D- Billy was the victim of a vampire. He was changed. He tried to control it. He tried to just uh, feed on animal blood. But he and Susie were together and and they were out and they were kissing and and he lost control and he killed her. And he is now just destroyed by this. He killed someone that he loved and he does he does not feel that he has control over it and he thinks that he will kill again. So I got a little ahead of myself because we have Billy who is confessing to everything, but in the meantime, both Henry and 
Janet. Janet. <laughs> and Janet are basically like, no, don't look over there. Look, look at me. Yeah. And, oh, man, it's hard to watch. And, oh, to spend a moment in those parents' shoes and, okay, your son probably drives his truck home with a body in it. And he's like, I didn't mean to. It just happened. And then they immediately go into clean up, hide the body mode. And, okay, how are we going to handle this? And, like, those elements of it, I think, can be quite sympathetic because, yeah, this is your loved one and they didn't fucking ask to be a vampire and they didn't mean to do this, but I'm like, it's Jack. There are these horrible consequences that come from it and how much do you try to bring them back to situation normal? Right, right. We have Billy confessing to all that he's done and Sam is standing there and he's saying, so what did you do directed to the parents? You, you just let him get away with it. You helped him get away with it. And then you took this girl to be your son's personal blood bag. Like I love, I love how he says it and what he says. He says, yes, great job. Great parenting. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Parenting. Awesome. Just it's that disdain again these people are trying so hard to be normal and what they're doing is so grotesque along the way and there's no empathy in the moment yeah yeah and dean says he looks to henry the dad and says you were just gonna let me cut off your head weren't you Mm-hmm. And that's back to, like, kill first, ask questions later. Yep. Like, Dean was completely ready to kill this guy with no proof that he was the vampire that they were looking for. Exactly. Oh, my God. And uh, Henry says, you don't have children, do you? Because if you did, you would know that you would do anything for them. Yeah, and that to see your child in pain rips your heart out. And you would die for them. And the mom chimes in, you would kill for them. Mm-hmm. And she and she pulls up her gun back. Just oh, emphasis. Had, yeah, yeah. Just in case yeah. you forgot which one of us is the heavy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and Henry's like, Janet, no. Like, no. It, it's over. Yeah, and Billy's arguing this too. Yeah. But the mom is trying to say that everything's going to be fine. And Sam is going, there's no way you believe that, do you? Like, how can you think that you will get back to normal? No, I know. And... (sighs) But she's holding so tight to everything's going to be fine. Like... Yeah, and we just wanted him to have a normal life. Like, she literally says that. Yeah. Billy here goes, I can't. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Yeah. I'll do it again. I'm a monster. Yep. And Billy gets her to put down the gun. And that's the final nail on that coffin. Yeah. Really. Finally, he has the autonomy for how he wants to see this play out. And he's just saying, I'm going to take the fall for Tori. You guys are going to say I ran away. And he looks to Dean and he goes, then we're going to go for a ride. That's how this works, right? 
Sorry, mom. This is the best way. The only way. I'm sorry. I'm just like, do not kill this kid. You cannot. I'm just looking at the screen and, and I'm, and I'm, I'm, you're not going to kill this kid. This kid has so much heart and it's hearkening back to Jack there too. Like, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. When when Henry said, "You don't have children, do you?" directly you saw to Dean's Dean. face. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and then we have Billy who was the victim who who didn't mean to do what he did. He says, "I killed somebody that I love and I cannot come back from that and I will mm-hmm. do it again." And and this is a one-to-one on what Jack did. And mm-hmm. I just... It, and, mm-mm. like, we're seeing Sam and Dean go, okay, you can't come back from this. We gotta karate chop your head off. And, Henry like, Jack. Henry mom... Uh, not Henry. Fuck! Ugh. I know. Billy, Billy gives his mom a hug. Goodbye. And we start this slow, mournful music that Jensen sings. Courtesy of Jensen. <laughs> Best Jesus, <I> fuck. <gasps> yeah. Sounds and- of Someday are playing over this montage. Oh, my God. And and we have... We see the Impala driving off. We see Tori being put into an ambulance we see uh henry and janet talking to the police and then we see sam dean and billy in the woods and they have billy on his knees in front of dean with his back to dean oh my god and did you see sam's posture he's like leaning against a tree one foot up with his, like, hands in his pockets. Yes. Like, let's get this show on the road level of empathy. Yes! Oh, my God. I'm it's so, so sorry. I'm so sorry for that audio atrocity, but oh, my God. We this have, moment here. We, we, and you know what? You know what the best and worst thing is? Is that Davy and Jensen... Did not spare us from this scene. They showed us mm-hmm. this execution. Yep. And made sure that we, the viewer, are fully aware of what our protagonists are capable of. It's it's just unsettling and it's horrific. Like, I don't know if... We're not supposed to empathize this much with the kid. But at the same time, we're drawing direct parallels to Jack. So the empathy is there. And this whole episode is the difficulty of connecting to Sam and Dean because of the difficulty they are having connecting to their own lives. Yeah. Fuck. Yes. Fuck. I, I, yeah. Fuck. It, we, it, it is... I don't feel that I fully understand. I don't fully understand the intention of what we did this episode because to kill Billy in this way, I I think 
was an overreach. It was a step too far. And I'm like, if that's the Jack parallel, then I think that is true. That that's not an element to shy away from. Because up until the last moment, Dean was going to pull that trigger on Jack. And it was his heartstrings that stopped him. But here, he doesn't have that same connection with Billy. Mm. Mm. We killed our Jack stand-in. We, we killed the kid. Ugh. And with such casual body language. It has to be intentional. It has I, to be. Yeah, like... They are trying so hard to have Mojo right now, but their Mojo's lost. Shivers. Okay. I'm saving it for the final scene. Yes. We have one more between now and then. And that is Chuck looking smug and Becky is fully wigged out. Yeah. She is reading his uh, quote unquote second draft and... (laughs) And she is just looking horrified. Mm-hmm. She and- says, no, n- you, no, you can't do this. And he's just all smarmy going, I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's- and I found it so interesting what Becky says here that she goes, this is just an ending. Yes. And he's agreeing. But he's like, oh, I'll figure out how to get there. Yeah, he says, I, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I know where I'm going. And yes. that line pinged to me. I had the thought like, wait, was that beginning dream, this ending? Is this where we're going? I know. It's like, how are these threads tangled? You know, yeah. are we getting a one-to-one relationship? Are we getting sort of branches off of one tree? You know, maybe this is the thing that I'm going to have lead into that ending. Or because what we really get from Chuck here is what that final vision is. And so it's Becky who is saying yeah. it's it's awful. It's horrible it's horrifying and helpless it's so dark and it's hopeless yeah you can't do this to the fans and like he's not getting it he goes it's great right the fans are gonna love it and that's when she's like no like it's hopeless yeah that's not what we want anymore but yeah exactly exactly but chuck is saying hey look it's making you feel something, right? It must be good. It's the Game of Thrones theory. Yes. Of, I cut your heart out. That's real good writing, right? Yeah, and yeah. No. The twist ending, it's it it, it makes you feel something, right? Yeah. But, <sighs> and it just, you go and see how bad of a writer Chuck is. And it also is bringing up this necessary conversation that is about something so long-standing with such a legacy and what is the onus to the fans at that point you know yeah you're right uh, I, I do like how Becky is saying the fans you can't do this to the fans and Chuck is saying the fans are gonna love it and 
and and B- Becky, our fan stand-in, is obviously just not not jiving with this ending and saying no this is not what i want this is not what we want yeah uh, uh, you can't do this it doesn't make any sense and there's no resolution in this well and it's <sighs> a betrayal to the investment made yes. in the characters because that. okay you look at season five and that was the intentional end and that's where Kripke wanted his legacy to go and look at how that ends it ends in this heartache that as a fan you walk away thinking about the losses those characters experienced and like that's the final taste you get and maybe that was Kripke's original vision, but we're 10 years gone from that. Yeah. And you are a completely different show at that point. You can't get away with the hopeless, heart-aching show ending because it means so much to everyone who's been there along the way. Yeah, exactly. It, it, we've been talking about this since we started the show. It, an unhappy ending would be a betrayal to to everything that we've built uh, yeah. through the past 15 years. It's a betrayal to our investment, exactly as you said. And imagine trying to rewatch mm-hmm. the seasons knowing, okay, our faves die. Yes. And you have that flavor like whether you like it or not when you end a show you have your complete package you have your final say that you're going to have on it and so if your final say is rocks fall everybody dies then when I try to rewatch from season one I have that lens like we get that in a kind of microcosm with the finale we had with season 14 knowing Chuck as this villain puts a lens on everything that they've gone through since season one. Your season 15 finale is going to do the same thing. I so very much appreciate that we are dedicating so much time in these first few episodes to reassure the viewer that we are not going to be ending this way. We are demonstrating what our villain wants the ending to be. Yes. And we're rooting for our characters, which means, like, this is our bad guy to beat. This is the ending that we don't want. Yes, yes. I think that with this Chuck thing, um, we have uh, put that aside for for now. So that being, uh, like I said, the writers taking the time to to tell us as the viewer through the narrative itself that okay, we are starting this final season, but. Just be aware that we're not going to end it in tragedy. Yeah. We 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 did it with last episode, which was the wrap-up to our three-episode opening arc, where we had this really down and and this win that wasn't a win, this ending that was not satisfactory to the characters. 
And we have it now here again in this episode with Becky, the fan stand-in, saying, you can't end it like this. It, mm-hmm. It's not what we want. Yeah. And the argument that Chuck is giving in favor of it is it's making you feel something that's good. Yeah. Like, we're taking an opportunity here to say that's not what works anymore. Yeah. And that's that juvenile writing, too. It's that Game of Thrones writing. (laughs) It's, It's not knowing your narrative and what it's elements what its structure tells you is a good ending right shocking the viewer does not automatically mean that it's a it's a good twist or a good ending yeah a emotion is nowhere near the right ending as is the right emotion right right because you can make people feel sad quite easy kill your characters But what did you gain from that? What's your legacy when you do that? Yep. Yep. And if you're not paying attention to your narrative and your structure, it would be like trying to end a romance novel with murder. Or trying to end a mystery novel with the characters getting together and we never know who actually did it. If you don't understand what story you're in and you tack on the wrong ending, it sticks out like a sore thumb the way that the Game of Thrones ending did. Like, we keep coming back to Game of Thrones because it's A, topical, and B, something Chuck himself referenced (laughs) as being an influence that he really liked. Yep, yep. And again, it's a nod from the writers. It's like, again, I... I, I so hope that the casual viewer or viewers who don't get to sit down with their best friend for three hours a week to talk every everything out <laughs> in detail can can reach this conclusion themselves or understand what the writers are doing for us here. Mm-hmm. They they are reaching out that hand like the secret under the narrative to say it's okay yeah you are not forgotten on this journey right right they're saying it's gonna be okay because this is not what we want we know one we know this is not what you want and two this is not what we want and this is not what's right this is Mm -hmm. not what fits we can't we are going to do it better we're going to make it better and I'm like, oh my god, with all this being said, please don't fuck us over. <laughs> I don't want to visit this in May and be like, oh shit. <laughs> I'd be like, Remy, we need to record season 15 with a lot more disdain in our voices. We need to be Sam and Dean in season four. <laughs> or so in episode four. A lot more cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so... Chuck, Becky, Chuck, Chuck is smug as a fucking fox and, and, and Becky is horrified and, and dissatisfied with what she has read from Chuck. And uh, unlike before, you know, when Becky was offering criticism, Chuck doesn't seem to feel like this is something that needs correcting. No, this is the feedback he wants. Oh, I'm getting emotion from you. Like, 
And and th- and at the end of this here, as they're talking about it, the front door opens. And I am immediately clutching my fucking titties. Oh, yes. No. Honestly, I'm sitting here now. I'm like <laughs> I'm like the girls are under control because I'm not. Oh no. Because we hear Rod and he is calling through the house, "Babe, we're home." Hey, where you at? Yeah, and like you thought Rod Jr. would be the one throwing up jokes on you. It was me. Like, it's just Becky has such a happy family. (laughs) Yeah. Like, hey, honey, we had a great day. Let me tell you all all about it. And Rod comes in to... I guess the the hobby room and and stop short to see Becky and looking panicked as fuck with a strange man at her back. Mm-hmm. Like what must Rod be thinking because oh, like oh are we about to be murdered? Uh, and, yeah, like who is this? Yeah, and yeah, you look scared. Yeah, you look scared. But but Rod, you know, he does instantly sense that something is wrong. He's like, "Honey, who's this?" And Chuck snaps his fingers and ghosts Rob away, and Becky just insta panics. I mean, yeah. like, of course, of course, she's she turns on Chuck. What did you do? What? Not even what yeah. did you do? No, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, she's just this tableau of horror. She doesn't yes. have any context because yes. she didn't know Chuck's god and. Yeah, what is happening is Becky right now. Yeah. And here's where I'm like, I take a moment to be like, this is clever, but it's not. But I wrote down, Chuck goes grade A monster and dusts the kids. And then afterwards, I was like, grade A, puts on sunglasses, atomic monster. Boom! (laughs) You have the correct response to that. Thank you. You know (laughs) when he told me when you told me right before we started recording that you had worked in the the title into the, your analysis i that is not what i was expecting and honestly i forgot that you were even going to go there so i had to throw that down i couldn't disappoint you despite how terrible like i'm like this is a pun level and i even drew like an open shocked face beside it when i wrote it because i was like god damn myself atomic monster Chuck is 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 he's our grade A monster. And and again, you know what? You know what? I skimmed over. It's when Becky turned to Chuck when her husband and children first came back into the house and said, "You you have to go now. You need to leave." And yeah. and Chuck looks around and he's like, "No, you know what? I kind of like it here." Yeah. And that is what he is doing here now. It's Chuck. No. You know what? I think I'm going to stay. Yeah. I'm the boss here. I'm freaking God. And she's trying to argue with him. Like, you bring them back. Please. You can't do this. Like, she starts off so firm. And then she wavers and goes to begging. Because because this is this is like wouldn't you? This is her everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like I don't fault her for it at all. It's just she has such. I'm again. I'm just. It was really good. She. We're horrified with what Dean and Sam did with Billy, and we're horrified with what Chuck did here now. 
Yeah. And Chuck just goes, oh, Becky, I can do anything. And he dusts her, too, and goes, I'm a writer. Yeah. Like, known fucker. (sighs) Known fucker up to his usual bullshit. Learns no lessons. Exactly. He had the opportunity to learn there. We had Becky giving him the opportunity, and he's like, no, I want validation to go back on what I was doing before. Yeah. And then he cherry-picked his way through it. And now, you know, Becky got the short fucking end of that stick. Mm-hmm. Mm, anyways, so, yeah. They're not dead. They're just away. So who knows if we'll see her again this season. I think But I hope to God we do, because that is one hell of a note to leave her on. Yeah. Yeah, I think we will. And, and I also really want to see Becky with Sam and Dean. Yeah. Before we I would love her to come season. in with knowing the ending he has planned for them. Yeah, she's done it before. She she was the, you know, she came to Sam and Dean with news on what's next when she told them about I mean, I think it was what plague. Yeah, it was plague. Anyways. Okay. I was <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I could see her playing that role in future episodes where she comes back through whatever mechanisms like Chuck is so confident in the plot line he has developed that okay yeah you could come back now I'm leaving the house my draft's done and like one of the first things Becky does is try and get a hold of Sam and Dean and be like do you know what's coming down the pipeline for you because holy fuck yeah yeah we have not seen the last of her, and and I'm very excited for how we're going to re- resolve all that. Yeah. But poor I Becky. really love her redemption arc, and I don't want her to end. Yeah. I don't think she will. But uh, in no. the moment, poor Becky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, babe. Ugh. So, final scene. Next to final scene. Oh, yes. Okay. There's fine. a tiny little nugget at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we have our Impala Broment time. Yeah, but it's it's a bit of a break from the mold. It's it's a little it's hollow. a lot. Like it's yeah, I pretty much wrote down everything they said in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't write down everything, but Dean opens up with, well, that was an interesting one. And I'm just like, uh, excuse me? Yeah, are you sure, buddy? Like, is that what you want to say about this? Is that what is that what you have to say about what you just did? Yeah. That was an interesting one? That's as checked in as you are about what went on today and, like, your behavior today? Yeah. 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 And... Mm. And Sam says, yeah, but you know, yeah, what, what Henry did, we would have done the same thing for Jack if we had had the chance. And I'm like, um, um, what? Okay. I want to know how you interpreted this line. So I got, I got, I got really discombobulated with this line because we had some, jack parallels some very obvious jack parallels with billy um but here textually we are having sam point at it and say no look hey hey look in case you missed it 
this is about Jack. Yes. And yes. and this is where I do not jive because we have Sam and then Dean agreeing, saying, yeah, you know, fathers will do anything for their sons. But then they killed Billy in cold blood? Yeah. And, like, the first time watching it, that's the way I took the line. Yeah. Today watching it, what I took, like, saying what Henry did, we would have done the same for Jack. And what I am thinking that is pointing to is we would have stayed silent and taken the bullet so that Jack could live. That's the way I'm taking it. Because where Sam is struggling is with all of the sacrifices of the people around them, how they keep losing everybody. And to me, that saying, if we had the chance, is we would have laid down our life so that Chuck wouldn't have killed Jack, so that Jack could have lived. I, I, I maybe, I maybe can see that from Sam, but, but the, the, the main reading is definitely the one that you're doing. I'm like, meet my backflips. But see, I, I kind of, I had the same thought as you did. Like we have Sam saying, you know, if given the opportunity, we, we would have done the same thing for Jack, but Dean, I am here, like, where is this coming from? Dean agrees with Sam, but from Dean? No. Where is this coming from? We just had, uh, from absence on, Dean ready to kill Jack, mad at Jack, and then and then lashing out at Cass and Rowena and Sam himself over what Jack did. He killed well, Mary and he was absolutely ready to kill Jack for it. And even when Jack was dead, he was still so furious with everything uh, because of Mary's death. And no, I cannot accept that Dean would sit there and say, yeah, to what Sam is saying. Like, yeah, you know, we would have died for Jack. We would have killed for Jack. Do you want my counter? Yes, you can speak now. <laughs> yes, you can speak now. Thank you so much, Remy. <laughs> when when Dean had Jack kneeling there and Jack said his piece and Dean put down the gun, that was Dean being ready to maybe not forgive Jack, but to not pursue vengeance in the name of his mother. And then in hot on its heels is the revelation of Chuck and the way that their lives have been set up according to his whims. And Dean's anger transmuted into being about Chuck and the situation. And I don't think we've really got it textually that he sees that Jack was as much a chess piece on the board in having Mary get killed. But I do feel like in the last 10 minutes, whatever, of Moira, we have Dean changing the target of his anger and also still holding on to someone personal around him 
aka Cass, that he can lash his anger out on. So for him to have hindsight, I suppose, is what I'm trying to get at, to say in that situation, knowing that Chuck set Jack up in that way, if we could have spared him this, we would have. But here's where I'm at. It's like you can't justify it either way because I... Because Billy's right there. Because Billy's right there. Exactly. 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 You can't have Dean saying yes and meaning it to Sam's statement because he just killed Billy. Yes. I really, I feel like what is happening here is a hindsight polishing of the way their behaviors would have been. One of those, we lost Jack, and so we can rose tint our view of how things were in that moment. Because but they're- they killed Billy. Their perspective is so fucked right now. And that's the thing is they don't even yeah. realize how fucked it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the only way that it is meshing with me in that we have regressed back to that, like, that very limited bandwidth of emotional emotional capacity where they're just so consumed by their own grief and cynicism that they don't have anything extra for air for those shades of gray yeah they're interpreting in the way they can handle it rather than what is perhaps the most accurate and they're also just not making those connections like they're not realizing their own hypocrisy Mm -hmm. and yep and it's right there i just want to smack them (laughs) okay like that that's kind of the energy that they're giving us while we're watching them this episode is kind of like what are what are you guys doing yeah yeah it has to be intentional it has to be okay because anytime our characters are acting in ways that don't make sense to us it is likely because they are being motivated by a darker mode a darker emotion that we're not aware of or that we have to kind of peel back a surface layer to see. Yeah. And it really does feel like Sam and Dean are in not even recovery mode, but just in survival mode after what they just had gone through. All the people that they lost in such a short period of time and when the stakes were as high as hell is pouring out on Earth. And now... Cass is gone and okay it's just the two of us that's where we're back well let's just live the lives that we've always known yeah and 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 not too much on next episode but just from the preview we do know that next episode is also kind of a monster of the week episode with Mm -hmm. Sam and Dean so I wonder if we're going to have this you know holding pattern through the next episode or if we're going to uh, flush it out a little bit more yeah. or diverge or... or If we're going to see some... maybe the cracks really grow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm really I'm really interested to see how next week's The Sam and Dean Show uh, evolves, has evolved from this yes. week. Yes. Yes. So. 
Yeah, because this week feels regressive, and I think that it's speaking to kind of the PTSD that mm -hmm. they're not even really allowing themselves to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Dean's whole speech that's happening in here, I'm not going to recite it to you, but the critical things that I pulled from it is that he started it by saying, we have lost way, way too much, and it's hard not to feel like just cashing out. I felt like that after Chuck back at the crypt, but you know what brought me back? You did. Saying that what we do still matters. And, like, he says that that's why we did this case, why we're going out here, and it's a crappy job, but, and I quote, we do the ugly things so people can live happy, but... <laughs> To do, just a quick interjection. Yes. To do the ugly thing is the exact same verbiage as he used in Moira uh, right after uh, Jack broke out of the Malik box and, and Dean was saying, now we have to do the ugly thing. We have to kill Jack. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, yeah. But he's trying to say, like, so people can live happy. I'm like, who was happy at the end of this one? I had the exact same thought. I think that because we left, we killed Billy, this this uh, a child with so much regret and heart. And if ever there was a gray area, like, this is fucking it. Mm -hmm. And then let what would arguably have been the real monster live in his parents. Like they were the ones who covered up uh, uh, Billy's, uh, I, I, I don't want to say mistake. I mean, it was, it was a murder. Was murder. And, and then, and then kidnapped Tori to feed their kid. Like who is the real monster here? Yeah. Because I just think of that small snippet that we were given flashback-wise of the mom seeing Billy talking to Veronica in the gym. And from the mom's perspective, it's no longer, okay, I'm getting boss to go and leave. It's she doesn't want her son to be alone with this girl in case yeah. he kills again. And so, like, it feels back to that solution of, oh, I'll keep my boy away from people and then that'll be how it's safe rather than let's find an actual solution yeah who who has been made happier by this job and usually when we leave a case on such a like lose lose gra like, ground mm -hmm. no one wins in this situation like we have the boys you know struggling with it we do not have the boys struggling with this no they're talking like they you know mission accomplished yeah and there's no downsides to what they did and it just is speaking again to how checked out they are to this and like saying that do the ugly thing so people can be happy and sam goes yeah yeah lucky them and mm. scoffs and Dean is almost wistful when he goes, yeah, lucky them. Yeah. And to me, I'm like, this is the critical moment right there because neither one is believing what is being said there. And indeed, when Sam looks over, he sees Dean without the mask and Dean just looks hollow. He doesn't have any expression on his face. There's 
no victory. There's no remorse. It's just blank. I agree with you. Absolutely. That this conversation is where we are seeing the cracks. And yeah, this is the warning bell that's sounding right here. Yes. Yes. This is the canary in the coal mine. Yeah. We, We see from both of them that they don't. I don't know. I don't know. I hope that they're feeling that it's all off in some way. Well, they don't really have an internal motivation anymore. They're trying to find their footing. And Dean's even saying, yeah, um, we still have we still do the job, but we don't do it for us. We do it for Jack. We do it for mom. We do it for Rowena. So here are these external reasons to do it because the internal's not cutting it anymore. Yeah. And okay, I'm gonna keep on pulling lines of what he's saying here. You do it. He goes, Who has ever given a damn about us? We're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, no matter what. And like you said, now that Chuck's gone, we're finally on our own. And I like I'm underlining that because we're finally on our own has those two meanings to it. Chuck's not with us, but also Jack's not there. Mom's not there. Rowena's not there. Cass is not there. They are on their own. And we're just feeling how they're trying to tell themselves that's enough. And it's not. This this just feeds right back into my biggest takeaway. And spoilers, not spoilers. <laughs> uh, 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 of, of these first uh, four episodes, which is, look, look, it's Sam and Dean and they're hunting and they're killing the monster. And this is, this is all they want, right? This is, this is the show. And isn't it great? But, but no, that, that line that we're finally on our own. It's again, like we won, we're free. Yeah. But you're, but you're not, and this is not. This is just again the writers doing such an excellent job, and also putting in so much effort to show us like this is not right. So. Yeah, there's so much thought and consideration given to that idea of you know this used to be enough but it's not and even though in this episode we see Sam and Dean trying to say it's enough and they're trying to leave us in this final scene of them going yeah it's enough neither one's buying into it no and they're not and and I think that this that's kind of the evolution from the last episode episode three where we had sam and dean together and dean was saying this is a win yeah and now we're now we're free and here dean is saying the exact same thing this is us now we're free to do what we do and to move on he says on i'm like that's cass's verbiage right there and unlike last episode, Sam now can say, I don't feel free. Yeah. 
I'm not, I don't know I'm if I can feeling, move on. Yeah, I, I don't I can't know forget. That I can, yes, I yes, I can't forget them. He says, I, I, I still. He has a little laugh at himself to say, I still think about Jessica. I think about them all. What we've done, what we've lost. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah, and it's so much sometimes i feel like i can't even breathe through it i don't know that i can move through this and move past this yeah and like he's trying to find some hope he's saying maybe tomorrow maybe i'll feel better in the morning and dean goes and what if you don't and sam just goes i don't know we're really seeing now this whole nope we're we're gonna eat veggie bacon we're gonna do a case and that's exactly what we need that's gonna get us our footing back and we went through the whole routine and it didn't it didn't nothing has really gotten your mojo back oh i love that i love that you tying it back into the start of the episode because it is it is we haven't fixed anything. We don't no. feel better. No. This isn't what they needed. We're trying to do these old routines. And unlike Chuck, we're going, it's it's not fitting. There needs to be something different, something more on the future. Because what I got right now is not cutting it. When Sam said, maybe tomorrow, maybe I'll feel better in the morning. I, so, so I'm dead now. We, <laughs> it. He's so teared up, and it's just so raw. Like this is so raw. Us so seeing real. the characters emote finally. Yeah. Oh my god! So much applause for 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 Jared. I, yeah. It was a. It was a really. It was like the one moment that I connected to Sam and Dean in this entire episode honestly. yeah and like with the first watch that we had and we're like well what the fuck was it like i don't even know how i feel about that and it's in this processing you realize like the first time i watched it, it felt like okay snooze 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 and then whoa the last 15 minutes have a shitload going on like the first eight and the last 15 and then what the fuck was going on in the middle and you're like no that makes sense it's because the boys are sleepwalking through the routine. They're like, this is going to get us back to who we were. And it's it's old and it doesn't fit anymore. Fuck the me, you're reasons, so good. The reasons that they gave themselves just aren't enough anymore. Uh-huh. I like your metaphors sometimes. They make me I happy. don't even know what I just did. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck did I just say? You... Just, uh, yeah, you know, 80% of our episodes are you leading me to the water on <laughs> on these these insights, but this but is, I this get is there. okay. I Do get I get eventually. to go and be baby B? And I, okay, so, <laughs> so no, really, one, one nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> no nitpicks, no, no nitpicks, no. just just a request for your final takeaway. Mm, fuck. Oh, and actually, last thing. So 
So yes. we have we have Sam saying maybe tomorrow, and when Dean asks, but what if you don't feel better? Sam can only say I don't know, and then they don't know. We end on that like they just yeah. don't know. Drive off into the foggy night. Yep, yep, and then Chuck, and then we're back to known fucker Chuck, known fucker Chuck, and we have a brief scene of him just tap tap tapping away he is writing he is like creaming himself behind the board he's so (laughs) pleased with whatever he's typing on that keyboard and the last shot is the sam and dean funkos i was like there's a tree there's a feather there's a pencil there is the anti-position tattoo i'm like jensen you know save it for the subtext show you know the ending. What does this mean? I can't. I don't know. I I'm don't. not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not because I'm like spirals. Uzumaki. Uzumaki. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't. I refuse. Okay. My brain is just like, next week. <laughs> so my final takeaway, I think I'm going to just really give the spotlight to Becky and to Mm -hmm. the writer's room what they chose to share of how they view the fandom and what they view their onus and their relationship and their legacy with the fandom and how they used Becky as that voice, that evolution, and that we have gone to a respectful place. And it's just really meaningful that... We were lucky enough to have a show that has such an avatar for the fandom. Yeah. And we are lucky that we have a writing room that wants to give us those glimpses in and to share warmth and love in that way. Yeah. Yeah. In no other show could we have seen that evolution of fandom. You know, what is a decade difference make yeah and i really really appreciate what we've what we did and 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 what the writers you know have have done for us you know yeah yeah and and as the fan i knew that for the time like becky was Insult again, insulting. Yeah, but but it was like a caricature of the stigma of the time, and so I have been waiting for this evolution, and it was done so perfectly. It was really yeah, good. yeah, yeah. It's a. It just really goes to say, like, what a rare bird the show is. What a. Ghost Orchid and Snowflake. Uh, Robert Frost, Gold, Stay Gold, Pony Boy. No, you, you, you can't say that. I because, can't. Because I'm going to be what earnest. Is, <laughs> what it, is gold cannot last. So. The show is a rare bird. And I'm just very happy that it exists. And I'm happy to be somewhere in its orbit. Yeah. And I'm so happy for... <laughs> Every week we get to sit and we get to chat. We just get to share the love. Yay, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Because I am proud of my creation. 
I'm proud of my work. Yeah. And I'm just really glad that I'm like getting tearied. But well, the show just really helped me find some strength in believing there was value in sharing my voice Uh and giving my contribution to the fandom. So the show has been really meaningful to me in that way. Yeah. And, and and this narrative of this episode really shows us that we are recognized. Yeah. And valuable to the yeah. creator, a.k.a. Chuck. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 really. Yeah. I, 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 I love what they did with with Becky. So. Yes. Yes. So what, what is my final takeaway? You gave um, your final takeaway. I did, and I have talked it to death. But um, I, I'm I'm going to take it again. My final <laughs> takeaway, like last week, uh, is that uh, we are being told and shown in mm-hmm. in a multitude of ways that uh, that we are not going to have an unhappy ending and. They're not just going to throw a happy ending at us. They're showing us explicitly why an unhappy ending is not what we want or need. Yes. And like that even Sam and Dean recognize that they're not all that they want anymore. They have things that they, they want more. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they don't want normal, but they want the life that they had and that they lost at the end of 14. And and we are going to build that our family back up. Yeah. We we are. We will. Y- you hear me, God? <laughs> you hear me, God? A- and the reason that I can take uh this two weeks in a row is because I really think that we're going to be setting this to the side after this episode because um, here with Chuck and with Becky and with this horrible, awful, hopeless ending, we have Chuck now with a direction and and we're aware of the direction and it's a villainous direction mm-hmm. so so th- this is where we set in stone um that bad ending that unwanted ending and now we're going to be focusing on other things in the narrative instead of the 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 writers taking our hands and saying it's okay it's going to be okay <laughs> they're going to be like okay Episode four, you got this, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm like, go your hand. You can walk there, baby. I know you're a toddler, but. Yeah. Did you get it? Did you get it? Okay. Now we're going to go. And now you don't have to be nervous about the next 16 episodes. (laughs) It's not going to stop me, but. (laughs) I have faith. Okay. Mm, Good, good (laughs) comment. So. 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 That, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that was season 15, episode four, Atomic Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heavy we- shit. 
Monster Not of the heavy Week, shit. but heavy. We didn't even we didn't even talk about like it is heavy, but we didn't even talk about how this is the first episode since episode eighteen of last season. This is the first episode in six months that haven't been high, high emotion, high stakes, just balls to the fucking walls. Yeah, like, no wonder our boys are feeling a little hollowed out. This is the first break in a very long time. And it's not even a break, so I can't even say it, but... It's like, I don't think we're going to get breaks for the next 16 episodes. Oh, no, B. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, there's only so much time left. I know. I know. But we have to have we have to have some fun episodes. It's it's part of the it's part of the structure of the show in itself. Yes. But that's a different conversation. Yes. Uh, Next week. Yeah, that you can tune into next week, most probably. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, when we cover uh, Season 15, Episode 5, Proverbs Mm 17.3. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure I'll... I'm like, that's Bibli language. (laughs) I'm sure I'll have it for you by next week. And we hope that you enjoyed our show this week. And if you did, as always, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Tumblr, uh, leave us a review or a rating on uh, our podcast and iTunes. Yes. Recommend to a friend if you can. And also, if it intrigues you, you can drop over to our Patreon and see our show notes and also our after talk, our hot off the press reactions to each of the episodes are available to Patreon subscribers. So we would love to see you pretty much anywhere. Come see us. Yeah, yeah. And just one quick note on the Patreon. Um, we do have a lot of content now. Like every week we are putting out uh, uh, after talk episodes that's like 20 to 30 minutes a piece on those. And and so if you want some of that content that comes out even before this episode does, then then check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we really enjoy having you guys and we hope to see you next week. Yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And then we see Sam, Dean, and Billy. <laughs> I had Barry in my head. I had I had Barry in my head, and it would not leave. <laughs>